We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Eric Romoff uh, from Pros with Joes. You can read them at Dr. Roto and goingfor2.com. This podcast, as always, is sponsored by WinBet, uh, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Appreciate their, their sponsorship all season long. Uh, it is a news-heavy day, as always. Uh, there, there's some news, an injury news. There's a lot of roster manipulation going on, a lot of stuff going on. Eric, it, it's kind of tough right now to stay on top of everything. Uh, just uh, We're all getting ready for our big drafts. we got uh, Pros with Joes next, two, uh, next week, plus a lot of NFFC drafts this weekend. How are you, how are you handling things? Yeah, it's it's certainly a, a wild time of year, right? Um, like you mentioned, this this is the uh, the midst of our big fundraising push. So a lot of things going on with the, the charity site. And it seems like uh, every couple of minutes I'm getting another notification push to me about someone being released or someone being placed on IR. Um, so it, it can certainly make your head spin trying to keep up with all the news. Yeah, yesterday uh, we were greeted in the news about Cam Newton uh, getting cut by the Pats, making Mac Jones the starter, changing the value of a lot of the Pats player skill position players along with it there too. How much uh, did you guys bump up uh, Damian Harris, for instance? Yeah, so for, for me personally, I, I bumped him up inside of my top 20. I had him around wow. running back 27. Uh, previously. So I, I think the first question you have to answer with Damian Harris is, were you in or out on him previously? Um, sure. And if you were, I think I think most of those people are looking at him as that sort of back-end RB2. Um, if you weren't, then, you know, he's you know, maybe a fringe fringe rent player, you know, now moving into flex territory. But for, for me with Damian Harris, I mean, he's, he's flashed on the field. We've seen a large enough sample size of what he can do there uh, on Sunday. And removing the threat of losing goal line work to Cam Newton is just an incredible lift for him, right? So I, I understand yeah. there's there's questions around uh, Stevenson, JJ Taylor, what role they're going to play, but ultimately he should have first crack at those scoring opportunities, and that and that just uh, lifts his upside considerably. I think my interest is uh, tempered a little bit in PPR leagues because I just don't see him catching a whole lot of passes. Uh, James White's going to do most of that, and they still have Stephen, you know, Ramondre Stevenson too, just as a guy that will be there as a fly in the ointment, you know, so he can go Jonas Gray on us uh, when we think that there's, you know, we got that one week for that oh, one game, on. yeah, yeah, and then he'll <laughs> sleep through his alarm the next on Tuesday, and then we'll never hear from him again. But uh, that's okay. Um, I have him closer to about 23, 24. Like I'll, I'll still go Javante Williams over him. I'll go Swift over him. Still I'll go Sanders, Montgomery. I think where the rubber meets the road is like Gus Edwards, very similar type of profile back. Um, I like the Baltimore offense better than the New England defense, so I'm still leaning Edwards myself. What say you there? Yeah, um, I, I think it's a favorable comp, at least for me right now. I've, I've got him a few notches ahead of Edwards, largely to do with, with the uncertainty around um, that, uh, that roster in Baltimore. Um, yeah. Now that cut days behind us, you know, we get to the weekend and there's no – considerable movements um, from Baltimore in, in the running back department. I'll probably pull Edwards up a little bit, um, but ultimately I think they're going to be right next to each other in my rankings come, come week one. I think they're in the same, they're, you're definitely shopping at the same store when you're looking at Fair those much, guys yeah. there. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Baltimore hasn't added a back yet. 
you know, Latavius Murray didn't get cut. Uh, Rashad Penny didn't get cut. Some of our other guys that we thought might be targets out there that they didn't get, they didn't get dropped either. So I wonder what Baltimore is going to do. Cause I think they'll bring somebody in. I'm not sure who, but I, because Tyson Williams has very similar skill set to Edwards, and at least in terms of not being a pass catching back, you know, more of just a between the tackles sort of guy, you know, maybe it's Justice Hill, but Hill's hurt. I, I just keep thinking, are we going to see Duke Johnson there? Who are we going to see that goes to Baltimore? Yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to say. Logically, it would seem like they would have interest in acquiring someone. Um, you know, the the name that comes to mind for me is is maybe Wayne Gallman. Um, you know, ultimately, whether or not it is Wayne Gallman who ends up there or someone else, I think it's going to be that caliber of player. So I think it's you know somewhat of a, a minor risk to the workload for for Gus Edwards. But you know, Todd Gurley is always looming out there. There are some. Uh, other veteran running backs that you know maybe have up and coming rookies behind them on the depth chart, um, you know where where things could get mixed up. So that that uncertainty is uh, is certainly one that has me a little bit more hesitant uh, or at least cautious around Gus Edwards. Um, but if if I had to place my money somewhere, I, I think it's probably a replacement level back at best. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it's just the type of back. What's the fit? That's the way. That's the thing I, I keep digging at there, trying to find. Uh, because, you know, I even look at Goldman rookie year, he caught 34 passes. So maybe he's capable and in his college years, three years in college, 20 plus in the twenties all, all along. I don't know. I mean, we don't know for sure. can Gus is if Gus Edwards can catch passes or just doesn't, you know, I think that's the other tricky part. Yeah. It's, it's certainly a question mark, right? And, and the thing to, to, to really shake things up there is no matter what happens, the best case scenario is Gus Edwards is, is in a split with his quarterback, Lamar Jackson, right? Uh, right. So I, I do think it's fair to try to pontificate as to whether or not um, he'll, he'll adapt and take on some of that role in uh, in the receiving game out of the backfield. But his volume is just by nature of uh, who's sharing that backfield and the signal caller uh, capped uh, as uh, as he partners up with, with Lamar Jackson back there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I didn't see too many huge uh, game, you know, earth-shattering roster moves yesterday. You know, we saw, you know, besides Cam, I think that was the obvious one. Uh, maybe the one of the more interesting, intriguing ones was Tyron Johnson going to, you know, getting cut by the Chargers, getting picked up by Jacksonville. They cut Colin Johnson, uh, Colin Johnson, you know, they, who then got scooped up by the Giants, you know, are just playing that shell game right now. I guess maybe John Brown getting cut by the Raiders, except he wanted them to cut them, cut him. So, because uh, it looked like he was getting aced out of a role. Was there anything that jumped off the page to you, like any big roster move yesterday that you're like, oh, that could be interesting? Yeah, at least um, in in a direct sense, uh, nothing too earth shattering, right? Um, but I, I do think that we can follow these roster moves and, um, and and glean some information about what it means for the the team overall. And specifically, mm-hmm. the one that comes to mind is is who you mentioned, John Brown. Um, you know, when when there were legitimate questions as to who was going to be the wide receiver two uh, there in Las Vegas. There are reasonable projections that had John Brown leading that team uh, in receptions for the run, for the wide receivers. Uh, now that he is heading out of town, it seems like that is a strong indicator for the camps, camp performances of both Brian Edwards and, and rugs there in, yeah. in Las Vegas. So, um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm ticking both of those guys up in my ranking and specifically Brian Edwards. I mean, you can, you can get this guy for next to nothing, right? He's basically freeze well into the teens in terms yeah. of average draft position. So if he's going to have a regular role, um, you know, given what he flashed in the preseason last year, I, I do think that there's some some interesting upside there with him. Yeah, I've seen a little Twitter buzz on Brian Edwards. Uh, I know there's a couple of people on him, like John McKechnie is big time on Edwards. I know that uh, from Rotowire. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're right. And a lot of people are on rugs. I think Jeff Manns uh, on SiriusXM was talking all the time about how he's, he can't not draft rugs. So, uh, you know, we, every, each, each of those guys has his patrons. Uh, it's just a question of where, like you said though, and I would take both of those guys up. I agree with you. And I think they're going to try to spread it around a little bit less emphasis on Waller this year. One of the reasons why I haven't ended up with Waller anywhere so far this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot of him either. Um, I, I've, I've got uh, a couple of shares uh, specifically where I'm trying to uh, sort of toy with the texture of my, my roster a little bit. Um, but ultimately right. I, I don't have a lot of exposure to Waller. Um, I actually wrote an article, a, a profile for the Raiders for drroto.com and yeah. uh, uh, Waller himself was actually my, my regression candidate, right? 
I, I don't think yeah. that he's going to, you know, slip outside of the top 10 or anything crazy. Um, but you look at just how efficient and how prolific that year was last year. Um, and it's, it's reasonable to expect that he will regress to the mean and, you know, maybe finish somewhere in kind of the five, six range. So I, I think it's an astute point that the distribution should be a little bit more uh, balanced uh, from, from, De- from Derek Carr this season. Yeah. Uh, I've been going Kittle over Waller. Uh, although usually I'm getting a receiver in that spot unless it's late third. And in one case, Friday night, I got Kittle late fourth and I, oh, wow. you know, it, it was, it was a max pick sort of thing. It was like, okay, I got to take, I got to do this. I got to be flexible enough to accept the bargain. I think, you, yeah. I think that's, I, I, I know we all have our guys. Sometimes you have to accept what the room gives you though, too. And, or, or at least look into like, okay, why are they giving me him? Oh, well, there's no reason. Okay. I'll take him. Yeah. Yeah. At least for me, especially as we, we, you know, quickly approach week one, right. We're, we're seven and a half days or so um, from, from kickoff on, on Thursday night next week. Um, you know, as I have a more and more complete picture of the teams that I've drafted so far, um, I am more apt to jump on uh, a value that's sitting there in the draft that maybe I haven't been targeting thus far. So I, I don't have any, any Kittle. My, my concerns are more to do with, um, just how run heavy that offense is and the number of mouths to feed. He's, he's still the one, but, um, you know, Ayuk is going to whittle away at him. So is Debo. Um, they, they have plenty of pass catching backs out of the backfield. Uh, so I haven't found myself with a lot of Kittle, but as we get closer to kickoff next Thursday, my teams get increasingly different from the sort of baseline that I've established. Indeed. Uh, and by, going back, circling back to the Raiders just a little bit more, you mentioned Ruggs and uh, Edwards. In the NFFC since Friday, Ruggs is wide receiver 55, Edwards 65. I expect both of their respective prices to go up maybe five to 10 spots each. Uh, I'd say more Edwards will take a bigger leap than, than Ruggs, but I think both will move up a little bit. I, I think that's a, that's a fair look, especially in the NFFC, right? It's, it's, a, it's a very sharp pool. Um, right. And the sort of general consensus is that when there are two comparable players on the same team at the same position, most people go for the least expensive option. So it makes sense that that Edwards is probably going to see a bit more lift there. Uh, yeah. But um, among among the everyday players, I think there's a lot of people that are just generally avoiding this Raiders offense, uh, right. apart from from Waller, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, if if we look at um, uh, ADP outside of of NFFC, I would imagine that the movement is going to be a bit more subtle. Yeah, probably so. Uh, I'm going to be in Vegas on Saturday. We'll find out. I'm doing uh, the NFFC Classic, the 14 teamer. So I bet Did you that's going to be a get the guys. Vegas, Jeff? What's that? <laughs> Did you just invite me to Vegas? You should go. You should do the. You should. Have you ever done the NFFC? You should totally get to do a draft there. If if you can't do a live one, jump in an online championship or something like that. Greg runs yeah. a great show. Greg Ambrosius runs. It's it's really a great product, uh, and I, I can't wait. I met you know I met a lot more of the baseball folks, but I know the football folks too, and they're they're, they're great people. And I just love love doing like a live draft like that. It, it's 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 a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I've done the online a few times. I, I haven't made it out to in-person yet. I've, I've got young boys, so sneaking nice. out for a weekend's a little bit hard. Uh, right. But yeah, Greg, Greg runs a super tight ship. It's, it's a ton of fun. It is. It is. Uh, before we get on, a few more news items. A quick note from our good friends at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. I'm here with Eric Romoff uh, from Pros with Joes. You can read him on Dr. Roto. You can read him at goingfor2.com. You can follow him on Twitter at FantasyNAV. Eric, uh, let's talk a little T.Y. Hilton. Uh, news just came out right before the pod that uh, he's undergoing surgery for his neck problem. He's going to go on IR, IR to return. They don't expect it to be a long-term absence. But 
this gives us a little bit of definition. It gives us a period of time when we know he's going to be away for us here. It's not going to be a week or two. It's going to be longer than that. What does this do for you? How how are you are you bumping up Pittman? Are you bumping up Paris Campbell? What are you doing here? Yeah, so of of the two, I, I think this definitely moves the needle more for Paris Campbell, right? Um, yeah. I, I think some of the volume uh, logically goes over to Pittman, but I also think that it comes with more uh, more attention from from the the opposing defense, right? So somewhat right. of a of a wash as I as I do the calculus for uh, how it impacts him. But Paris Campbell now presumably steps into a role where he should have consistent volume week in and week out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not rushing out to acquire him uh, in uh, kind of shorter formats, right? I'd say at minimum in a 12 or 14 team uh, leagues or the, the range where you should consider a player like Campbell. But we're only a few years removed from him being a fairly well graded second round pick by, by this Indianapolis Colts team. So That's now right. with a bit more opportunity, I, I do think that this uh, this move to IR for T.Y. Hilton certainly uh, certainly ticks up his uh, his upside and his involvement in this offense. Uh, you know, the, the Colts are obviously dealing with question marks about their starting quarterback and, and uh, Carson Wentz availability, um, but ultimately it looks like Pittman is the one who's going to um, uh, see the biggest upgrade with the, the T.Y. Hilton news. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Irv Smith. Out for the season, most likely with uh, meniscus surgery. This one hits me. I actually liked Earth Smith a lot this year. He was my one of my targets if I waited on tight ends. Uh, you know, he he was a guy that I, I really thought I'd get a lot of this year. And obviously now I'm running running for the hills. But uh, they traded the Vikings traded for Chris Herndon. Are you have any interest in fantasy interest in Chris Herndon at all? Uh, in in terms of fantasy interest in rostering Chris Herndon, not really. Fantasy no. interest that. I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch all of the Chris Herndon stands uh, cape up and, and feel like yep. their guy finally has an opportunity again. Assemble, uh, but, yes, yeah, right. The the Chris Herndon signal is is out there in the sky. But for me, the the signing of Herndon, you know, really means a little more than just proof positive that the the Vikings are planning to not have Irv Smith uh, for the duration or at least the majority of the season. Uh, I'm I'm like you. I've I've been waiting on tight end almost the entirety of draft season. So I have a lot of Irv Smith. Um, so, so this one in particular was, was a bit of a gut punch. Who's your pivot who, like if you're drafting in pros versus Joe or pros with Joe's next week, uh, who's your weight on weight on the tight end pivot? Yeah, I, I think for, for me, at least looking at what Irv's uh, ADP was previously, I, I think the first thing to consider is just going tight end a little bit earlier. Uh, it gets real murky after that Irv Smith fall off, right? Um, mm-hmm. If if you are in a deeper format, if you've already rostered Smith and you now need to go comb the waiver wire, a couple of guys that I would consider, Austin Hooper, uh, you know, he he had uh, kind of an up and down season in his first year with, with Cleveland. He obviously missed some gains to injury. But if you look at the back half of the year, week 14 and on, including the playoffs, he averaged eight targets a week over that stretch. Um, you know, keeping in mind that about seven targets a week was good for second or third. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, amongst tight ends. So ultimately, I, I think that there is some volume potential in what is kind of a short to mid, mid-range passing game there in, in Cleveland, and, and Austin Hooper is widely available. Uh, the second name that I, I tend to look for is Zach Ertz, oddly enough. You know, we're, again, a couple years removed from he being considered in that kind of Kelsey-Gronk category um, and largely because of the uncertainty about his, his roster status and whether or not he'll still be in Philadelphia, his, uh, his, his ADP is just in the tanks. So you can get Zach Ertz for next to nothing. And looking yep. at the preseason games, Philadelphia is throwing to the tight end a ton. Um, I mean, every single game, their, their tight ends combined are um, amongst the leaders in, in targets in the preseason. So I, I think they're in that Sirianni scheme we're going to see a lot of tight end involvement and to be able to get Zach Ertz, you know, off of the scrap heap or as a last pick of your draft. Um, there, there is some, some upside relative to what you're spending on him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll give you a couple more guys that I kind of like too. Uh, I like, I think Tunyon is actually getting talked down too much. I think there he's like, Oh, he was so touchdown dependent. Yeah. But what if he gets more targets this year? Because now he's in the circle of trust with Rogers and, you know what? Maybe he still gets a good. Maybe he doesn't get eleven. Maybe he gets nine touchdowns, eight touchdowns, for for tight end eleven or twelve or ten. 
I'll still take that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and Tunyon is exactly the type of guy that I have in mind when I mentioned moving up a little bit from where you were planning on targeting Irv Smith. And yeah. ultimately, we're talking about tight ends. They're they're all touchdown dependent, right? Basically, apart right. from the big three, maybe you can argue big five, right? But apart from those guys, everyone is three for thirty-three, and their week is made or broken by a touchdown. Um, that's right. So it's you know it's fair to to expect some regression, but ultimately that's that's the status quo for the position. So uh, I, I think that that takes a little bit of bite out of the argument. Where are you on Kyle Pitts, by the way? Are you you know generational prospect guy and willing to take him in the top six, or are you like I'll wait till next year? Both. <laughs> um, I, think, I think he's a really, I think he's a really exciting prospect, right? right. Um, you know, we we see we see him catch one ball in the preseason. I think he had like twenty five or twenty seven yards after the catch, and just looks absolutely electric. Um, and the devil on my shoulder makes me want to reach into the fifth or sixth rounds and acquire him for my team, right? On the other side, there is a ton of historical data that shows just how long that ramp up period is for tight end specifically uh, as they elevate to the NFL level. So. Um, ultimately, you know, it's a it's a it's a bit of a of a mood swing kind of consideration as to um, you know whether or not I'm feeling like I need a bit more upside on my team and I'm you know I'm willing to roll the dice uh, in a player like like Pitts or if you know um, on the other side I've I've got upside elsewhere and I'm looking to find value at the position so right. kind of a mixed bag but I mean he he looks absolutely electric there's so many things to be excited about for this young man. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, that's for sure. I'm excited to see him. I only have, I did get him in the Rotowire Stake, you know, salary cap draft league. Uh, stopped at 14. I was like, okay, I'll take him. You know, and yeah. that, that was fine. Uh, AJ Brown, back to practice uh, in a limited fashion. Julio Jones, at least we knew what was wrong, wrong with Brown. Julio Jones missed like three, four weeks with it undisclosed. And I never liked seeing that, especially given Julio's recent injury history, all those on and again, off again practice reports during the season last year. Are you drafting AJ Brown at price? Are you drafting Julio Jones at at ADP? Yeah, so for both of them, I'm I'm actually kind of out. Um, you know, okay. at, at price, I think is the important qualifier. And you know, to course. our point about Kittle earlier, um, you know, we get 10, 12, 15 picks after their ADP, and and certainly, you know, I'll I'll take a look at those players. Um, but in in a relative sense. The, the guys that are around them, specifically for, for A.J. Brown, right? I, I would much, much rather have Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Allen Robinson fan, so even Allen Robinson falls into that category for me. And, and really, it's, it, it's, it's almost entirely a mathematical argument, right? This, this Tennessee offense was 30th in pass attempts per game last year. A.J. Brown had a fantastic season, but he caught 11 touchdowns on 70 receptions. Um, so, so that type of efficiency is just something that statistically is very hard to replicate. And now sure. we have another significant mouth to feed in Julio Julio Jones coming into into town. Um, so ultimately, I, I do think that he is a candidate for some some pretty substantial regression. Um, and and that offense, you know, time tested is very low volume, high efficiency, and and that 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 usually lends itself to being exposed to regression. Yeah, I can see that. I, I'm on AJ Brown. I think there's another level. He's playing hurt last year, but then again, seeing him, seeing that creep up this year, put the you know pump the brakes just a smidge. I might I might have had him wide receiver six, and now it's like wide receiver nine. I'm still taking him at the end of the second. I'm a little stubborn. I'm out on Julio completely though. Yeah, com- completely with you on Julio and and AJ Brown. I I absolutely love the the player and his talent. He's inside my top five mm-hmm. position in dynasty, um, but in in the the 2021 spectrum. I think there's some things that, that might break his might might break uh, against his favor and relative to the guys around him. It's just hard for me to pull that trigger. Yep, I hear you on that. Uh, before we move on to talking pros with Joe's, a uh, quick note from our friends at Dynasty Owner: Are you tired of the same old fantasy football leagues that get canceled after a year or so? If so, Dynasty Owner has your back. Go to DynastyOwner.com. New leagues for the 2021 season are forming now. Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office by incorporating a salary cap and real NFL player salaries for diehard fantasy football fans that want the real GM experience. Dynasty Owner adds a whole new level of strategy. Are you worried you won't be able to find anyone to play in your league with? Don't worry. Dynasty Owner can help you fill your league with fantasy football enthusiasts like yourself. 
You won't have to worry about finding enough players. You can just choose to start a league, join an existing, or purchase a team from a previous owner. If you're serious about joining the big leagues, go to dynastyowner.com slash rotowire and start your dynasty today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I'm Jeff Erickson. Thanks again to Dynasty Owner. Thanks to our Blue Wire sponsors as well. Uh, I am talking with Eric Romoff. You can find him at FantasyNav in AV. You can also find them at drroto.com, goingfor2.com, and of course, pros with Joe's. This is year two of this great contest. I, I, I'm playing in it. I'm excited about it. Rotowire's Jim Coventry is also in it. He's a big fan of this as well. well. Tell everybody, Eric, what inspired to start you with pros with Joe's? Yeah, so our, our origin story um, is quite serendipitous in nature. Um, okay. Our eventual champion in year one, Dave Richard of CBS Sports, um, on a uh, podcast, I believe it was, he mentioned that he would be willing to share his expert league team with one of their listeners. And it seemed like that got a lot of traction. So that was ultimately the light bulb nice. moment that it seemed like uh, the, the, the consumer of fantasy content um, would really covet experience and the access of playing alongside and, and co-managing with the the expert that they know and and trust. Um, so we we reached out to to Dave and asked if he would be interested uh, in participating. If we kind of teased out this concept, uh, mm-hmm. he he graciously accepted, and uh, we were off and running. We we were basically in every single expert's mentions and DMs there for a few days. You know, initially we were thinking we'd be lucky to scrape together you know ten or twelve people that wanted to participate, um, and in in year one. It, it really took off. We, we saw 56 pros uh, that participated. Nice. Uh, all told, we raised a little under $10,000 for a variety of different charities. So uh, really, really took off like wildfire, and, and we're excited for year two. Yeah, I'm excited for it as well. It's a fun concept. How many uh, leagues do you anticipate running? Uh, so this year, we've got, we've got 42 in total. Uh, so we'll have 42 pairs of uh, pro and Joe. There's going to be three 14-team conferences that all roll up into an eventual champion uh, okay. who takes home, or I guess their charity takes home, the, the pot of, uh, of money that we've raised throughout the course of the season. And the unique thing is you can choose the charity. Uh, you, you know, each each pro has their own charity. Uh, and I'm going with the Brain Aneurysm Foundation. My mom 
She survived a cerebral aneurysm when I was seven years old. That was a long time ago. She's still alive, actually, believe it or not. It's amazing. There's a 50% mortality rate. She survived it. Um, and, you know, they, they do great work for people how to cope with it. And obviously, the odds are a little bit different now than they were then. But um, it means a lot to me. So I hope to be doing, I hope, hope to be doing a lot of good with that. Uh, and there's just a wide variety of charities that we can all support here. Yeah, it's it's one of it's one of my favorite aspects of sort of the the confine that we we operate within, right? Is that every pro that's participating is representing a cause that is near and dear to them. It's touched their life right. in, in one way or another. Um, so you know the the fact that you know not only are we creating this avenue and this channel for industry experts to engage with their followers in a unique way, but they're also doing good for a cause that's really important to them, right? So you mentioned. The Brain Aneurysm Foundation and how that touched your life. Um, you know, we we have like a lot of families out there, a number of experts whose lives have been touched by cancer or by cerebral palsy or Alzheimer's, right? Um, so all these causes that that certainly um, can use support in in their continued fight and their research. And right. you know, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, all kinds of uh, organizations working with uh, rescue animals, rescue wildlife, uh, abuse prevention, suicide prevention, right? Um, so we, we we really run the gamut of causes out there, and and the most special aspect of it is that they are near and dear to the the pros that, that decided to play for them. Do you have a particular cause that you want to support? Yeah, so I've I've actually got a, a local food bank here. I mean, I say local food bank. The the San Antonio Food Bank um, is actually the largest in the state of Texas. It supports San Antonio and everything south of San Antonio. Which in Texas is a lot of a lot of That's land. a lot of territory. Yeah, yeah I've been yeah. down there a couple of times. Yeah. Um, so I've I've been working with them for for years, even even prior to my involvement in, in pros with Joe's, and uh, especially over the course of the pandemic, uh, I, I live not too far from there. You know, as I'm commuting to and from places, running errands, whatever it might be, just seeing that hours long line of people that needed food support, and and really you know uh, uh, realizing how big an issue food insecurity is. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's local, it's homegrown, but the, the reach, you know, really, really impacts an entire region. So, uh, that's, that's where I do a lot of, uh, my volunteer work. That's, that's where I give to on a regular basis myself. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, what sort of format are we playing this year? Yeah. So we, like I mentioned, it's, it's a 14 team league, uh, essentially 14 team conferences. Each conference has its own individual player pool. Uh, we are running it back with, with full PPR this year. Really, the, the only considerable wrinkle from last year is that we're going a bit broader in the roster format. So as opposed to rostering quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, tight end, and a flex, basically everyone will be rostering a quarterback and then eight flex positions. Um, so ah, I really like the idea nice. of introducing some some agency into how these, these teams are put together. So. That's that's a new wrinkle for for this year that I'm I'm excited to watch play out. No super flex, just just one quarterback though. Still one right? quarterback this year, yeah. With with okay. it being 14 teams, it would get very thin very quickly. Um, yeah. So didn't didn't want to turn the the dial all the way up to 11 immediately, but depending right. on how how it plays out, maybe maybe we'll explore it for next year. Listen, I keep pestering uh, Greg Ambrose and Tom Kesnick to in introduce a national Superflex contest because I, I just I thoroughly enjoy the format. Uh, I just think that's the one thing fantasy football does wrong. You know, quarterback being such an important position. Why are we only starting one of them? Because there's one on the field, I guess, maybe. But, you know, it just when half the quarterback pool isn't ever used, in many cases, a third of it's never even drafted, it seems wrong when we're digging for third run, uh, running backs and fourth and fifth wide receivers on a team. You know, I, I just, that's just one of those pet peeves of mine, but uh, I'll, I'll keep, uh, that'll be my uh, get off my lawn uh, position that I'll be staking out there. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll flag it for, for next year that All I've right. been coming super, super flex requests coming from you in 22. All right. Very good. Very good. <laughs> uh, looking forward to that. And, it, you know, it is a snake draft. It's next week. Late draft. So theoretically, we're going to avoid a lot of the wham the pre preseason whammies, but whammies can happen in season two. So I, I don't even, I like doing some early drafts. I like doing some late drafts. I don't know how you feel about that, but I, 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 I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for people say, well, that's why I never draft early. Well, things happen all the time. Always. Yeah. For, for me, I've, I've got a pretty good mix uh, across the two, right? Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of best ball 
um, and, and dynasty startups firing up right as the NFL season started and carrying all the way through the summer. For, for me, the, the counter argument to that's why you don't draft early is really one that gives an edge to someone that is researching, right? If right. It, the, the, the value that you're getting in, especially in those mid-tier rounds, uh, those middle rounds over the course of the summer is completely out the door once we hit late July, early August, right? So, you know, yes, you are introducing a bit of risk that, you know, more time can pass and injuries can, can present themselves, but you're also introducing a ton of value by doing, you know, even a, a moderate level of research heading into these kind of off-season draft windows. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, anything else you want uh, people to know about Pros with Joes before we start getting to know you? Yeah, um, I mean, really just kind of from the top, right? Uh, like I mentioned uh, earlier, we, we are in the throes of our, our big fundraising push. Um, so anyone that wants to uh, check out what we're doing, the causes we're supporting, uh, the pros who are participating this year, they can head over to our homepage, proswithjoes.com. You can also check us out on Twitter at proswithjoes. Or if you're in the giving mood and you want to you want to get in on the action, uh, you can go directly to our donor center. It's proswithjoes.rallyup.com. Again, see all 42 of our pros and the causes they're supporting. Make a donation and you'll be entered to win the grand prize of co-managing with that pro. Very good. Very good. So proswithjoes.com. You can probably see in, in proswithjoes.com slash or proswithjoes.rallyup.com, right? Did I get that right? That's right. right. That's that's right. the direct donor center. All right, cool. Check that out, guys, and please donate and bid on a chance to you know join with me or anybody else that you prefer to join with and try to beat me for that matter. I'm I'm good either way. Just donate. That's all we're asking for there. Uh, before we move on, uh, get to learn a little bit more about Eric. Uh, a couple of note, uh, another note from our friends at Sleeper. What do your fraternity brother Steve, Katie from work, and your grandma all have in common? They're all waiting for that invite to your fantasy football league. There is no better way to hang out. No easier way to smack talk and no more customizable platform to host your fantasy leagues on this year than Sleeper. Whether you have a redraft league or a dynasty league that has been around for 10 years, Sleeper has everything you need in one app. Incredible commissioner tools and customization, built-in messaging, support for snake draft, auction draft, and best ball leagues, blazing fast news, stats, and scores, all in a beautifully designed mobile app and website that makes every other app feel like horse and buggy. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy sports platform for a reason, and all the cool commissioners are switching to Sleeper and not looking back. Don't just take my word for it. Download Sleeper on iOS or Android and see for yourself. You have nothing to lose. It's free. All right. My guest is Eric Romoff. We've been talking about Pros with Joes, which you can check out at proswithjoes.com. You can check out Eric on Twitter at fantasynav.com, uh, or at, at fantasynav, excuse me. And you can read Eric at drroto.com. That's D-R-Roto. Uh, that, that's Mark Gloom, Dr. Roto. Great story. Mark, uh, you know, had to have an organ transplant. You know, the fancy community helped support him and supported him, gave him a new life, and he's back with his own website. He's a great guy. I'm happy to see him launch his new company. You're doing a lot of work for them. What are you doing for them? Yeah, so uh, uh, Doc was was one of our pros here in, in year one, um, and his story is phenomenal right uh, the, mm -hmm. the fantasy sports community saved this man's life um yeah. so there's there's just a lot of alignment in his story and and what we're trying to do so as he got ready to you know gear up and, and launch drroto.com um a, a partnership really made a lot of sense right um you know we're, we're looking for a platform and, and a home to house the the work that we're doing through the website and and to promote the charities and everything and there is an altruistic and charitable aspect to everything that Doc is doing uh, there, there at the website. So he's got a number of different charities that a percentage of subscriptions are going to every single month. Um, he has these sort of uh, content camps and uh, kind of training programs for uh, new voices and aspiring content creators in the industry that are looking to get their footing. Um, so really the, you know, the, the, the true north of finding a way to have an impact and give back is, is very much so aligned for both of us. So a, a partnership made a ton of sense. So um, in addition to our direct website, anyone that goes to drroto.com can find our information listed there under charities. Uh, we're doing a Pros with Joe's podcast every single week this year. So we'll be doing nice. uh, a little bit of a recap on the league, um, you know, news and notes kind of happenings around the NFL, and then spending some time interviewing a pro and their, their co-manager talk about their charity and, and their experience playing together. So 
that'll live on the Dr. Roto podcast network. Um, and then personally, I'm, I'm contributing a couple of articles uh, throughout the course of the regular season there. Um, so the, the partnership is something that, that we're super excited about and, and looking nice. forward to, to getting kicked off here uh, next Thursday. If you consider yourself to have a, an area, specialization of expertise in fantasy football, what would it be? That's actually a really good question. Um, I, I consider myself a bit more of a generalist um, okay. in, in terms of, uh, you know, where I've focused my time and attention uh, recently over the last few years. Uh, huge fan of the salary cap format and yeah. uh, uh, specifically, you know, really started to shift a lot of my investment over to the DFS world. Um, so that's that's where a lot of my my headspace goes. Uh, that, that is the, the subject matter of a lot of the content that I'm, I'm creating, both writing and, and podcasting. Um, so if, if I had to pick one, I, I think that that would probably be the category. Um, but ultimately, I, I try to keep a pretty well-rounded uh, sort of mentality in, in looking at the game. Absolutely. So do I. I mean, I, I don't. I, I, in fact, I could if I had to answer my own question, I probably wouldn't have a specialty. Uh, it's just I am definitely a generalist when it comes not just and I wouldn't even uh, like narrow that down to football. I'd say generally in fantasy sports. I just love sports. I love all, all I play fantasy hoops, fantasy hockey, fantasy golf. I have a golf league that's lasted over 20 years already. So uh, excited. Oh, wow. about, we're year 22 of that. Uh, so yeah, I like I like it all. I try to be a little well-rounded. What do you do for a living? Uh, so I am actually in uh, the, the technology space. I, um, I I head up operations and growth for a small technology startup uh, out of the, the Knoxville area. Um, okay. So we're, we're specifically in the virtual events, virtual office world. Um, so the last 18 months or so have been uh, a whirlwind for us. Uh, yeah, yeah I've been in I've been in the startup and the, the technology space here for uh, about ten or twelve years now. That's fantastic. How long did, when when how young were you when you started playing fantasy sports? Were you in high school? Uh, were you an adult? When did you start playing? I was I was fresh out of high school. Um, okay, I'm I'm in San Antonio, Texas. I moved here uh, to to go to university after after high school. Got a part time job at a mattress store. I was the poor guy that was lugging mattresses on my shoulder and oh, throwing no. it into people's trucks and tying them down. Um, and at one of our uh, uh, area meetings on a Saturday morning, there was a big commotion, a big group of guys that got into a bit of an argument. And because it's how things always play out, it was about fantasy football. Um, mm-hmm. So it kind of started poking around there. I was, I was familiar with the concept before, but uh, that was that was my entry point in, into playing. I was uh, the, the ripe old age of about 18 years old. Oh, fantastic. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the funny thing is well, I'm old, so it wasn't as big of it. You know, it wasn't easily accessible as a kid when I was in high school. I didn't play in high school. I played right after college. I graduated in 93, though. So uh, I'm dating myself a little bit there. So my first fancy leagues were in like 93, 94 in baseball and football. And but actually, I was in law school and I did. I started a basketball league or at least I did. I played in a basketball. League, and then I think I started one after that. But anyhow, uh you know, I, I was that was like those three were all like in rapid succession with each other, and I just got hooked. I think I remember reading about it in Sport Magazine or Inside Sports. I forget <laughs> which one of those. There's a good feature article about that, and it's like, oh, I got to do this. I definitely have to do this. This is awesome. Yeah, I mean, for for me, just kind of being being the outsider in that group, seeing big commotion amongst you know fairly mild mannered mild mannered people, like what what is going on? Like what what has what has things flared up over here? Um, and they were they were arguing about you know, changes to their constitution and a scoring format. I think they were debating whether or not to introduce PPR at that time because it was you know, early 2000s. Um, and, and just to see that sort of uh, level of interest and passion around it certainly piqued my interest. Um, and then over the course of the, you know, the years since, just you know, really zeroing in on the subtleties and the nuance of the game. Um, I mean, there's an endless amount of riddles and puzzles that can be solved. Uh, in in this game, and, and that's ultimately what holds my attention. Okay, very cool. Uh, favorite team? <sighs> Do I have to say? Can I can I put a brown bag over my head? I'm a I'm a Houston Texans fan. I'm a Bengals fan, so you don't have to do that. Oh, it's okay. In I fact, mean, you guys keep – you've beaten us in the first round of the playoffs because we hold, we hold that Saturday afternoon slot together pretty well. So Yeah, uh, first first game on Saturday. It's a, it's yeah. a tradition unlike any other. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and our, our respective coaches in that era are now gone, so uh, you know, maybe not anymore. But I'll, I'll say this: um, yeah, it, it's a tough time for you guys right now. I hear, I hear you. Uh, but maybe they'll come out clean on the other side. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is going to boil down to whether or not we can find a, a suitor to fall in love with Deshaun Watson and, and all of the uncertainty and, and mess that comes along with him. Um, and if so, you know, our, our arrow could be pointing up again here in a few years. But in absence of that, um, you know, we've been heading in the, in the wrong direction for a while now. Yeah, and you got to get through the cap woes in addition to uh... – Watson's legal case with the, uh, the sexual assault allegations. I mean, ugh, yuck! What a, what a mess. Um, yeah, and then and, the, and ownership is being is what it is there too. I mean, hey, we have one other thing in common: is we have we both have crappy owners too. So we got that yeah. going for us. Yeah, and uh, generations of, of crappy owners, right? Passed down from one to another. Yeah. Well, Paul <laughs> Brown was fine, but Mike Brown not so much. Uh, it's it's, it's yeah. kind of sad. But uh, favorite format to play. Uh, so I, I mentioned it before. I'm I'm a huge fan of the the salary cap format. Okay. Um, you know, ultimately, I I like I like points and scoring. So uh, you know, full point PPR, any sort of tight end premium, I'm I'm here for. I'm also a big superflex fan. Um, so you know, really the the thing, and I, I guess kind of exposing my intentions with the pros with Joe's league. Um, you know, I I like the idea of. Uh, an owner having agency over their team. So the salary cap format obviously plays a big role in that, or you can target the guys you want right. and, you know, make, make uh, evaluations on uh, whether or not that's an appropriate value and someone you want to get. And same thing with the kind of positionless format. So um, it's, it's one that, that I personally like and may or may not have had uh, a bit of a controlling interest in, in why I decided to roll it out for year two of, of the charity league. Very cool. Very cool. Any bidding tips? I think you. I think one of us is. I think you actually muted yourself. There you go. Uh, I think I had a mic go. Um, so for for me, it's it's really more about it's it's almost kind of inverted from a traditional snake draft, right? The I'm a big advocate for for drafting based on tiers, and mm-hmm. typically in a snake draft, the end of those tiers is where you start to find value. Where it's, where it's the opposite in in a, a salary cap format. So as a tier starts to dry up, that's where everyone starts to realize it, and those guys tend mm-hmm. to go for a bit more of a premium. Um, right. So you know, really looking for a, a strong set of tiers that I believe in, and and staying attuned to how many players are remaining in that tier. Um, yeah. and, and you know, after one or that's two player goes, that's that's really where I look to look to you know try to capitalize in in the the draft and salary cap process. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I, I committed the cardinal sin in one of my auctions earlier, salary cap draft leagues uh, earlier. Is that I got caught in that last guy in a in a tier, Chavante Williams. It was it was for me, and I just I had to have him because I didn't want to you know go down in the next level for my RB two. And fortunately, I had the budget to get him. I think if I think one thing you learn from this, and we mentioned this on the the show, if you do get, find yourself stuck in that situation, because you probably will at some point, make Almost sure you win that. Yeah, make sure you actually win that battle. Uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, don't, don't get to that last guy in the tier and then still don't get him. I think that's, that's a real problem. Uh, unless you really are comfortable at the next level, but chances are you're not because you're already at that last thing in the beginning with there. So, uh, anyways, I don't know. Yeah, um, if you're, if you're early in a draft, you know, there's an opportunity to pivot if you miss out on a guy in a tier, but, um, you know, mm-hmm. more, more than a, a couple dozen picks into your salary cap draft. Um, if you find yourself in that position, you you almost have to die on that hill, right? <laughs> yeah. Who's your most frequently rostered player so far in draft season this year? Uh, so I'm I'm going to strike a little controversy. I have a ton of Joe Mixon exposure. Okay, um, why? So uh, uh, like all answers that I'll probably give to those questions, a lot of it has to do with with where he's landing in drafts sure. and his overall price point. Um, but for for me, you know, looking at his his talent coming into the league uh, a few years back, um, he he certainly carries the ability and the upside to be a top performer in this league. And what we've always been waiting for is the opportunity for him to not be muddled by Gio Bernard. And so that opportunity has presented itself to us this year, and he's still available 
in sort of the two, three turn, um, you know, even, even well into the third round. So, um, you know, ultimately to get a guy whose volume alone should dictate that his floor is pretty close to that, that RB one category and his skill set is high enough to where he has upside to maybe even flirt with the top five finish on the year, uh, that late in drafts, I, I have myself a ton of Joe Mixon and that, that is honestly allowing me to get a bit more creative with my, my earlier picks, right? Go a tight end or a wide receiver earlier than I, than I historically would because he's just so consistently and readily available to me there at the beginning to mid third round. Especially as we've gotten later in draft season when, you know, see the Bengals offensive line, like, Oh God, they're still the same offensive line. Uh, Part of the reasons why, why I only have one league so far with him. It was a, it was a auction draft league, a salary cap league. Uh, just the other day in Derek Van Riper's pentathlon league. So uh, we'll see about that. But I kind of was like, I kind of was price enforcing, kind of got stuck with him. I'm like, okay, I'll take him. At least I'm going to get volume. Most prominent player that you, not only have you just not drafted, but you will not draft. Probably the biggest name that I haven't found myself rostering yet is Nick Chubb. Um, I'm a, I'm a bit torn by it because I think he's maybe the best runner or one of the best runners in the league, right? Um, but on the other side of the, the Joe Mixon argument, he, he has that cap on his, uh, on his production, on his volume with Kareem Hunt there. I, I understand that even with Kareem Hunt there, he finished, depending on your scoring format, around RB10 or 11. Um, but there is a lot of efficiency that broke his way. Uh, in, in how readily he converted his red zone carries into touchdowns in order for that to happen. And so to bank on that happening again, coupled with paying a uh, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth pick off the board price tag with him, um, it's just a little too rich for my blood. Uh, I, I hate to see him go. Every time, I, every time he gets drafted, I, I always wince a little bit, but I just can't bring myself to, to pay quite that much of a premium when it, it requires banking on uh, a repeat performance of that level of efficiency. Yeah, I hear you, but I mean, on the other hand, Kareem Hunt's been unusually healthy. You know, that's it's not necessarily guaranteed that he's going to stay healthy. Uh, I think, and if and if something does happen to Hunt, then Chubb gets those passes and you know some receptions too, and then he doesn't have to be as as efficient. I just think he's really darn good. I think the offensive line is really darn good. I've been getting him a lot around 10 or so in drafts. I'm okay with that. I take him over Eckler. I take him over uh, Barkley even. Barkley's my guy, by the way, that I will not touch. I'm just I, – I need – there is a price point. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, yeah, it every, it's, it's like a mid-second round price point for me. Yeah, every, everyone's got a number, right? <laughs> yep. Um, yep. And and to, to be fair, right, I'm, I'm not saying that Nick Chubb is, is to be avoided by any means, right? Um, right, the, right, the sure. places where I'm at the turn and he's available, um, I'm I'm considering it and and happy about that, right? Um, yeah. But to you know have him fall kind of in the middle of that first round, again banking on efficiency, um, you know uh, somewhat projecting or hoping um, you know some missed time for Kareem Hunt. There's just a lot of things that need to line up perfectly, um, for sure. And and that that introduces a little bit of risk in my mind. I, I can appreciate that. Uh, we'll finish up rapid fire. A couple of user questions. Rodrigo asks uh, thoughts on Javante Williams and Zach Moss. I don't think he, I don't think he's asking comparing the two because Williams is going ahead of Moss every single time, right? But what do you think? What are your thoughts on Javante Williams? Yeah, um, uh, coming coming into the draft process this year, there is a lot of reason to be bullish on Javante Williams. Um, he fell into. Uh, a, a pretty nice landing spot there in in Denver, and mm-hmm. watching camp and preseason progress, all the more reason to believe that his arrow is pointing up. So I I've, I've been targeting and find myself with a lot of Javante Williams shares. Uh, obviously, his price tag has been going up of late, but really the the thing that um, you know tipped the hand more than anything for me is the fact that he was a healthy scratch for that last preseason game. Right that that is a huge indicator in my mind that. Javante Williams is going to be a player that is going to have at least the lead role in that offense sooner than most of us projected. Yeah. Uh, so to get him where he's going in drafts and potentially have uh, either the lead or a bell cow role in the very near term is, is a really awesome value. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and then what about Zach Moss? Yeah. Zach Moss is a 
is a bit of a question mark, right? Um, you know, presumably it seemed like he would lead that backfield and that front office and coaching staff would try to strike a bit more of a balance between run and pass. But then you look at the the game last week with Josh Allen and he's out there throwing on every single down, right? Um, so right. I, I do think that, um, you know, there, there are some serious question marks about just how involved the running game is going to be in Buffalo. And a lot of the instances where it is, and, and certainly the most valuable instances there in, in the red and the green zone, the quarterback is now in the mix for those for those touches as well. So, you know, if, if you're if you're going zero RB, um, you know, if, if you need some depth or you're in a particularly deep league, I, I think Zach Moss is, you know, fine to consider. Um, but ultimately, there's a lot of things that are stacked against them in my mind. I think so, too. Clint Anderson asks, any Detroit wide receivers worth rostering in a 12 team PPR? Yeah, um, I mean, Following the cut of Perriman, I, I think that uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is someone that is is interesting and carries some upside. Um, not to draw too much of a comparative, but it, it it feels like there was a lot of extracurricular and off to the side work between Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown this preseason, like there was the year that Cooper Cup came into mm-hmm. the, the league there with with the Rams. It's a good so, yeah, um, you know, very much so. I, I think that there's kind of a possession volume receiver potential for Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, personally, I was I was really bummed to see Perriman be be released. I've I've been waiting for him to have a true opportunity throughout throughout his time, right? We've seen him flash when he's when he's had opportunity or he's been, you know, covering for injured players. So to see him out the door, I, I think he's now the third in Chicago is where he landed. Yeah. Um, you know, that was that was a, a bit of uh, of a of a bummer for me. But you know, now looking at the roster it, it seems it seems reasonable that uh, St. Brown is is in a position to lead uh, targets for for the Lions uh, wide receivers this year. Yeah, that vaunted uh, Bears passing offense that we're all excited about there. Uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, one last one. Randall says in a twelve and a ten team league, excuse me, he just traded away CMC for Josh Jacobs, Miles Gaskin, and Jacoby Myers. People in my league are mad at me. He says first year in the league too. Uh, should they be mad? Is this a, is this a stinker of a trade? I mean, yes and no. Um, yeah. I, I, I think this is a bit of a stinker of a trade. So sorry to be the bearer of bad news, especially yeah. in a, in a shorter format, right? 10 teams. There's always that premium on elite talent and that elite talent went out the door. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter how many puzzle pieces you try to cobble together, it's it's going to be really hard to replace that contribution from CMC in your roster. The reason why I say yes and no is I, I'm just categorically not here for uh, leagues griping about transactions and trades. Um, I, I tend to think that collusion doesn't exist, and I tend to think that managers should have the agency to manage their rosters however they see fit. Um, yeah. So not really looking for commentary from the peanut gallery from the from the rest of the league but ultimately I, I think i think our guy was on the wrong side of this deal by a pretty good margin especially in a 10 teamer and a 12 where the depth matters a little bit more i could see it and i i see if if in that league he was really hurting for depth like say he had maybe cmc and dobbins and uh, i'm trying to think who else uh you know michael thomas ETN. and someone you know etn those yeah. and you know then he was hurting for depth i still wouldn't do it because it's a 10 teamer i would just go for their replacements i just tr- scrounge the waiver wire i would do things like that before i'd ever do that trade but i, I understand i don't i they should be bad at you though i just yeah. you should, they should be making you offers is what they should be doing instead <laughs> but, his inbox uh, is going to be flooded <laughs> yeah, probably will be. Or, you know, hey, and he might laugh the he might laugh last. Who knows? Maybe Josh Jacobs reverts back to the re, the form that we saw people taking him at the end of the first beginning of the second last year. Maybe Miles Gaskins what he did in week 16, that that's that's his true level. Maybe Jacoby Myers flourishes under uh Mac Jones. Maybe he's doing a lot of work there. No, uh, yeah, exactly. I that, mean, that's the problem. In a 10 teamer, right? At least at least one arguably one and a half or two of those players are right around replacement level. Um, right. So that's, that's really what in, informs the call for me. For sure. For sure. All right. That's the uh, wraps up all the questions uh, wraps up today's podcast. Eric, I can't wait to do pros with Joe's. I appreciate you taking an hour of your time with me here. Um, and thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me on Jeff. It's, it's been a ton of fun and, and thank you again for, for your support. 
Jeff is uh, is is one of our our two time pros. He played in our inaugural season. He's back again and again supporting a great cause in, in the Brain Aneurysm Foundation. We look we're looking forward to it. Go to proswithjoes.rallyup.com. Go donate if you can. If you want to partner with me, I, I I could use a partner. I'll even defer to your knowledge on this here. It's probably you're probably better than me anyhow. So let's check it out. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we got Mario and John. Thanks to WinBet for your exclusive sponsorship all season long. And we'll be back at you again tomorrow on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Take care.